Are you ready to take your volleyball game to the next level? Every week on the Volleypod, we talk to two top coaches who share their secrets for success on the court. From drills to build skills to strategies for boosting confidence, you won't want to miss this valuable advice. Tune in now and elevate your game today. Good evening and welcome to the Volleypod. How are you this evening, Todd? Davis, I'm doing well, but the question is, how are you doing? You have, I heard, an injury. Oh, man. I did. I am. I'm bummed. I'm immobile, but I'm not in pain. But I ruptured my Achilles heel playing basketball. Oh. So uh, it's like, I believe it's completely disconnected. So I'm out for a few months. Uh, and you got to go to the qualifier this weekend. And I got a qualifier this weekend in Kansas City, and we're in San Diego. So doing a little traveling, maybe a little difficult. Yeah, on crutches. Oh. So it's brutal. My shoulders are going to be so strong, though. That's the that's the uh, the bright side. All right, there you go. I like yeah, it. The always looking for the always bright side. Looking for the bright side. That's good. <laughs> well, on the other on the on the other uh, bright side category. Uh, with AOC, the volley pod has a code. Yes, we got a code. We're going big. We're going we're, big, Davis. We're big time. We're influencers now. Oh, that's right. Yep. <laughs> 20% off premium memberships. Use volley pod. Keep us in business. <laughs> yes. All, all you have to do if you ever buy anything on the, the art of coaching volleyball is use code volleypod. V O L L E Y P O D, and you'll get twenty percent off. It's incredible. It's just, I think it's everything except Karch's book. Yes, all, literally almost every single thing on there except for Karch's book, and I think there's like a whistle, something yeah, like that. A fox whistle. Yeah, Karch got a good deal there. Yeah, we didn't sneak the volleypod into his deal, but that's all right. Yes, but we're okay. big time. So if anyone we're wants to do big. that, we would we would appreciate that. And I mean, you're gonna get value for that too. So that's awesome um but good stuff what got, about our show you, you're are you starting with the skill what are I'm we starting with today? the skill yeah so today i'm going to talk about hitting sharp angle and uh the reason i thought about this in the first place was i see some instruction that i don't care for and i usually don't comment on people's instruction but I see some what I consider. I comment all the time, Davis. Okay. <laughs> right. Well, and I don't mean like I see a lot of stuff on, you know, social media or whatever. And I'm like, okay, you know, but some of the stuff I've been seeing a little bit on hitting sharp angle, I think is dangerous to the shoulder. Okay. okay. And, and this is now, are we talking about um, from the left primarily or right or both? So I, that's a great question. So I'm talking about, kind of the thumb down sharp angle so okay if From you are a thumb down sharp angle so if you're a right-hander you'd be hitting on the left side and if you're a left-hander you'd be hitting on the right side okay to do this sharp angle swing that we're talking about um but before i even teach people how to do it i'd like to sort of preface it by saying a couple things that we know about taking a lot of swings um safely is that when you're swinging outside of your body line, you are putting more stress on the shoulder. Now, it's going to happen. Charlie's saying hi to everyone. My baby Charlie's saying hi to everyone. Anyways, um, when you swing outside the body line, you put more stress on the shoulder and 
it can be very damaging. So that's point one. And then when you pull your arm to the side of your body, especially the same side of your body, it can be damaging to your shoulder as well. So I think we got to think of it the way we think of young kids throwing curveballs. We want to watch it. We want to make sure they're doing it safely. And when they learn the cut shot, um, there are some things that they can do. I think that will help them. So let's get into it real quick. Okay. Yeah. How do you do it? Because I'm always hesitant to teach this. If a kid doesn't have a, a good feel for it coming in, just because you know me, I like kids hitting balls in the box. Yes. And this is a ball that is going to land probably close to a sideline and not pass over the net by a large amount. So for me, that doesn't make it a uh, conservative shot. And you right. know me, I, I, you know, I, I don't like hitting yours. Right. Well, and I don't, I don't know that it needs to not cross the net high. You know, well, okay. Well, you know what I mean. Why it's good that I'm learning this. Yeah. Tell so, me about well, it. so there, here, here are a couple of things. Okay. So one of the one of the things that I got from Mashabata, and this is a great tip. The first one is, can you hit sharp without using any wrist action at all? So without doing the wrist away. And so the only way to do that is by wrapping your feet around the ball, wrapping your body around the ball more than you do on a typical cross-court shot. So, so it, really, it might be, is it starting the approach wider? Either starting the approach wider or just simply on your last two steps, putting the, positioning that ball so that you're more, your feet are closer to the net, essentially, than they typically would be when you're hitting to like zone six. You, you stay behind the ball when you're hitting to zone six and you want to get to the side of the ball when you're hitting to zone four. Right. So ah. so you want to make sure that your feet are on the sideline and you're intercepting the ball coming to you. Right. So there's a couple things there. So I like this word wrap. Right. You want to wrap your body around the ball and you can do that by either getting outside more. But I think like you see a lot of times these the men do it. And they don't necessarily start way outside because they're pass attacking and they're just and they're doing if you have the athletic ability, you can do it in the air even. Well, a um, lot of guys, uh, yeah. a lot of guys, they can almost jump laterally a little bit. To, yes. If they're not in position, they can jump to their left to get in position. Or yes. if the ball lands inside, they can kind of broad jump into the, yep. you know, jump to their right and then just crush it. And <laughs> just dive and hit it hard. I want that, right? So my thing is let's hit the sharp hard. Let's hit it hard still with going low to high, right? And let's still take it at a high point that is between our shoulders, so that's one of the one of the things I think I see often is when they're hitting it low, they're taking it early be, before the ball gets into their shoulder line. Like if you put both your hands up and point it to the ceiling, that would, that's kind of what I would call your shoulder line. Got it. Right. If it's not in between there, um, you're losing height. Right. And you're probably losing some power. Right. Because you're pulling right. you're, you're you're outside of essentially the power line. Now you can be a little bit outside that. Now but, question, do yeah. you think most kids have a propensity to hit it on their right or on their left? Cause I think a lot of times people yep. are chopping this and they let it cross their shoulder 
Yes. And then it gets in front of their nose and then they're kind of going thumb down and really landing on that left foot. I know that's dangerous. I know that, you know, the danger thing now with you, with the Achilles is, hey, oh my I, I don't want kids to get hurt. Yes. Well, and I, I hate to see it like it happens all the time and you are going to land on one foot. But that doesn't mean we try to do it. Does that make sense? So, like, yeah, I see that all the time, too. So, like, if you're trying to hit the zone four, they let the ball go by them and take it on their left, and then it's all wrist, right? And so it can be deceptive that way because, you know, it looks almost like the ball would be crossing by your body like you're hitting line. Right. I think what Ojan calls that, what, a pretzel or something? Yeah, he calls it the pretzel. Yeah. Right. And so you can do that. I, I totally think you can do that, but I don't think you'll hit it as hard. And I also don't think it's that safe to do often. Okay. Because it's outside your shoulder line. And because like you said, you're landing on that one foot and putting all your weight over Got that. It. One. I like the idea of that wrap and to kind of hit it straight. Yes. Without all this, you know, miss because kids will miss the ball. Exactly. Trying to get pieces of it. And- That's exactly the other thing I was just going to mention when, when you think of a cut, you literally are hitting parts of the ball. This one, you're hitting a big, huge middle piece of the ball, right? So they tend to miss less, right? And now um, it is readable in a sense because you are wrapping around it. But what I find is that that portion of the court is not even defended, right? So it's I like- think that's a great point because that was my first thing when you said this topic. I'm going, you know- Everybody is bringing their left way inside now. I mean, no, I wouldn't say everybody, but a lot of teams are doing that. And they're leaving that sharp wide open. Yes. And they're telling their libero, hey, you got to dig that sharp and dig all the, you know, you got to dig from 10 feet to 30 feet yes. on the angle. Yes. Um, I mean, exactly. that's what we do. I mean, hey, we do it. You, you dare them to hit it. it. Hey. You dare them dare to hit it. And a lot of times they can't, right? And so it actually is kind of smart. But if they're just essentially hitting straight, you know i think that's fairly doable um i had two more quick things one is this idea of you do have to let your arm kind of circle so if you drew uh if you have a a light in your hand and you're in a dark room it would look like a little um arc you're because you you do end up coming a Cross the ball a little bit when you're hitting sharp angle. You I do like want it. the ball to go to. I like that to the cue. Side. That's a cool one. Yes, and then um, the only other thing I was going to say about it is there is a time to do it, <laughs> right? Uh, when you're off the net, clearly you cannot hit as steep of angles, right? So I think p- players got to be aware of the timing on when to do it. And so that is my talk on how to hit sharp angle. Do you have anything to, to add to that? That's on. Well, your, the idea yeah. of hitting that ball hard and, and getting that ball off that inside hand of the middle, right? Yes. If you're not trying to bury it low, um, but hitting that inside hand and that ball goes out of play over there, right? Over yep. that, that left sideline, right? That area for sideline because nobody's there when it hits that middle blocker's left hand. I like yep. that shot a lot, um, which means you're hitting it hard. Yep, absolutely. And then I had two quick training things on this. So, so one is if, they, if you want to get the kids to have a feel for this, you can just like you mentioned earlier, have them – start like at a 
quite a sharp angle when they're in their preparation Yep, and just toss it inside and have them go get it. That's a good way for them to feel it. And then the only other thing I would add to that is if they still are having a difficult time with it, um, this one where I, I toss it and then I'll fade off the net and they still have to face me. And that'll really make them get their ball, their body to the inside of the ball uh, and the net between the ball and the net. So basically like in that, you know, cutoff position we talked about with their hips facing zone four and not facing the net because so many hitters like to face the net when they hit. And oh, I, yeah, well, and I right. think, you know, the, the, the thing is this shot is so good, Davis, especially uh, with the faster sets now, because it's harder to hit now with faster sets. Right. Cause I think right. the ball is traveling horizontally faster. Yes. So it's harder to pick it off and get it to that sharp sideline. So I think this is a great thing to work on. Um, I like this shot, especially kind of in, you know, what people call mid system. Okay. When you might have to hang the set a little higher, maybe like a little, we'd like a little more of a hut than a go. Okay. Um, and so the block is still going to be probably formed, but you know, there'll be two people out there. So we're not going to be beating them with speed necessarily, I see. but yes. can we get that ball inside, um, the block? I like especially it. if they're they're setting up on the line. So no, yeah. great. I, I love this. Uh, I love this topic because I haven't done a good job teaching this, and I think I've just had some players can do it and some players can't, and I just kind of let it go with that. And and being a little more deliberate in teaching it is is I think wise. That's awesome. Cool. Right on. Well, we're on to a really cool scenario uh, that you're going to talk about. What do we got for the scenario this week? I have a front row player or players who can't block. Very cool, right? And that's very common too, right? What Everyone's do I do? got this. What do I do? Well, yes. the one thing is, of course, you can sub the player out for a taller player, and that's the that's the normal uh, response to this because oh, we got to have a blocker up there. And my feeling is, hmm, let's look at all of the options and not just default to getting somebody who can get their hands over the net especially if that person's a good volleyball player and can add value in a bunch of different ways because they extend rallies. Right. Okay. Awesome. Second thing besides subbing would still have the player block. And there's an argument there that, um, Hey, the player's going to need to learn the skill. And, and some people think that it's smart to have like a, a a body in front of a hitter that that makes the hitter kind of think twice, even if the hands might not be over the net. Uh, and there might be kind of parent player pressure. You know, I'm really learning that with in, in my job at coast with the, with mm-hmm. the coaches of young teams, there's just a lot of subtle pressure on these coaches to put kids in systems before they're ready. Agreed. Agreed. So you're saying potentially blocking before, a block is necessary something like that because hey if you're a 13 year old team at our club and you know i'm you know i'm coaching that team and i'm surrounded on one side by your team you know the 16-2 team and i look at all these physical kids blocking and then the other side is you know 17 ones rodrigo's team and i see all these kids blocking it's like hey that's how good volleyball players play they block Right. And so to tell me, no, you're not a blocker tells me, oh, wait, I'm not a good volleyball player. 
Um, and so I think there's pressure there. I see what, what you mean. Yeah. Okay. And, I, and so, uh, but I disagree with this and okay. I disagree with it really two reasons. Uh, number one, it hurts the team and you figure there are some, you know, close to 900 square feet of, of court we have to cover. And if you divide that by six, that's about 150 square feet per player. And if you have a kid on the net, not taking any square footage mm. on defense, then who's making up for that? That's a great way of looking at it. Yeah. Put, let's just be, let's just make sure it's making common sense and we right. have somebody defending an area. Right. And if you can't defend an area, then don't, don't be there. Play so you defend an area. The second thing is the idea that it's very hard to teach a skill when the feedback mechanisms don't work. So if you're playing teams that don't mm-hmm. attack, then it's hard to teach blocking. Right. And to have that argument that, well, they need to learn the skill, so we're going to teach them. Well, they're not really learning the skill because there are no attacks. There's a bunch of right. free balls and down balls and a bunch of balls are coming over. They're not really learning how to block. They're standing there, but they're not learning how to block. Right. Let's wait until it's necessary and where, when they're going to learn fast. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And real quick on that, you know, I had Haley Cameron, and she was a a La, a La Jolla. Yeah, uh, she kid, started right. with booboo ball with me with the right. La Jolla Knights back like sixth grade, and she was like six foot something, and and she didn't block because it wasn't necessary. But guess what? She was an insane blocker. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> she ended up being an insane blocker. So you don't need to necessarily start early to get really good at it, I guess is my little point there. Um, so I would support I would support that idea. I think that's a really good point. So of course the the third thing, so we have the sub player out, we have still have the player block. And the third one, of course, is the one that I usually recommend, which is hey, you stay in the game and you don't block. Okay. And the bottom line is looking and really how many attacks can't be dug. And that doesn't mean how many balls are hit hard. That means how many balls are hit that can't be dug. And I think the idea of somebody hitting their hardest ball and getting scooped, you know, is, you know, that has, I think, a bigger effect on their hitting ego than putting a blocker in front of them. Yeah. Who can't could. block. Right. Right. That's a good point. And so my advantages to that are, hey, number one, you have more defenders. And those now that your back row defender can just line up and they don't have to get tips. They just go, hey, I don't front row is going to get the tips. I just have to line up and dig. Right. So I can do a better job doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, the big one for me is better vision. You know, I'm a beach guy and I'm just going, hey, get the block out of my way so I can see. That's um, a good point. Yeah. And when you That's have these point. bodies sitting there, it's harder to see. And so better vision means better defense. And if you have, a, if you're in a, let's say you're in a one blocker system now, uh, a lot of times the, a single blocker will really like blocking alone because he or she can pick her own or his own best spot. And it's a good point. That blocker isn't point. reliant on somebody setting the block going, no, wait, I want to block here. I'm just going to block here because this is where I know the, the ball's crossing right. that. I'm not going to close. I'm just blocking the ball. Yeah. Um, That's a good point. And so those are some advantages. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing I want to get into is this idea of 
being creative and developing systems. And there are tons of ways to do this. And, and I think that we really drop the ball as coaches and not experimenting with a lot of these. Um, so I think one of them is, hey, one blocker blocks a whole net. And that blocker for, you know, my boo-boo ball teams, a lot of times if I have an athletic kid, that kid will be my setter. Okay. So my yeah. biggest athletic kid is on the net blocking. Yep. And then setting and dumping. I love that. I love that. And hitting overpasses. And we always yes. say at the boo-boo ball level, listen, you know, you're going to get better sets from the other team than we're going to give you. So let's just put you on the net in that position on the net and have you go crazy and hit everything you can and run around. And it's a fun, Hey, I mean, how, how much fun would you have without the Achilles playing that position? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and you're, and you're, I love that you're training an athlete in the setter position and they're, and they're engaged in all those different facets of the game. I just think that's super cool. And I'll tell you the other thing I do with that system. I don't know if I told you this one that I really like, if you can dig a tip, then we're going to set you. Okay. So okay. if that person, let's say, is middle front and they see like an easy ball or a tip and they don't block and they uh, dig it, they, they get dig set. it to right front and then right front throws it up in the middle of court and we set that person. So there's incentive. Every time you dig, we're going to set you. That's awesome. Yes. Every time you get a good dig, we're going to set you. Right. That's so cool. Okay. Yeah. So one blocker system. And then we have two blocker systems mm -hmm. and two blockers block the net. And then the non-blocker in the front row can be somebody maybe who gets tips, mm -hmm. um, maybe gets back and digs. Maybe that's a, just a great defender. And you go, hey, I'm just going to get you back. And you're almost going to play left back in six rotations. Right. And um, so we have two liberos basically on the floor. It's um, <laughs> awesome. And so I think there's a bunch of creative things you can do there. Uh, and the other one we talked a little bit before is, is that right front blocker who might be a setter and having that setter kind of option block and saying, Hey, that person can fake block and just pull off and get tips or soft block on something. If the other team goes, Hey, we're going to just set you right on the net and hit Super straight tight. down. Yeah. Then, okay. you know, that player and, and you have, so I think we have stories about the same kid who, you know, we yes. thought we needed a blocker and we played this five, four kid in the front row and we won. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, what okay, happened? So, tell me your story. quick. Well, so our story real quick is we're down four. we're in the semifinals of a qualifier must win situation, obviously. And I have my taller setter in and I subbed my smaller setter in and she's totally tiny Doug tips and ran a beautiful offense we came back to win and i guess the point is i don't think we blocked a ball you know what i mean like i don't think we blocked a single ball but we got a lot of other incentive a lot of other stuff out of her that and and it changed the game as well so just and being creative back to, yeah. you know especially at a lot of levels how is blocking overrated yeah yeah so my final thought on Good this stuff. is hey, experiment in practice and the only way you can do it is hey we're going to block the net with one. We're going to block the net with two. We're going to block the net with three and see how good is, is the offense in your practice. Can kids take advantage of it? Do they know what's happening? Can your setters set and get kids so they can get kills or does it even matter? And that's I would imagine for a lot of teams, it doesn't matter how many blockers. That's not what's changing the game. And if you have more kids playing defense, fewer balls drop.
I would I would tend to agree, and I would also add, how often are they bad blockers allowing the hitters to score? So it's like, uh, again, just adding to your point, like be smart, use blockers when necessary, experiment. So fun! What a cool what a cool scenario. Well, and the other thing I think we didn't talk about is the idea of bad blocking, the idea yeah. of getting tooled. Yes. And the idea of, you know, how bad is it when a kid who doesn't know how to block and you know she doesn't get her hands over the net, she nets. Right. Right. That stuff just, just hand me a knife and just put me out of my misery. <laughs> you don't like that. And I don't either. I hear that. That's awesome. So, so no, it's good stuff. All right. Good stuff. Okay. So, so that we takes did... us to, well, you got some videos yeah. for uh, hitting Sharp Angle? Yeah, so I took a, the interesting tact of basically just putting like highlight videos of people hitting um, sharp angle and hitting. These aren't some... all men just bearing balls. These are all men bearing I balls. I knew you'd do that. Yeah, yes, I knew but, you'd do that. But I mean, the, the angles are ridiculous that they're hitting. And they're fun. I think That's fun. It's fun. It's fun, and I also think you can learn from them. They wrap their hip. They. Um, yep. They can do some really insane stuff. So um, not much instruction there, but if you look at them, I think you can learn from those videos. Okay. Plus, well, I'm going to, cool. I'm going to have to throw in another video. then. Okay. So, okay. What do you got on the AOC website? Mark Barnard, uh, who just, uh, I think retired from Oregon state. Okay. Uh, he has uh, attacking and defending the angle. So he works with his hitters attacking that angle and then defending it. So that okay. is uh, that's going to be there in our show notes on the AOC website. Right. Um, so that yeah. is one that we have to add to your uh, your group of of highlight men bouncing balls, <laughs> five feet sharp angle, which yes. I love to watch too. Right? So fun, yes. But we also have a cool resource that you're going to talk about, right? What's the resource of the so? I'm just about done reading Hugh McCutcheon's book called Championship Behaviors, a Model for Competitive Excellence in Sports. And Hugh just retired at Minnesota as the volleyball coach and is taking a job as their kind of coach of coaches. So this is a pretty generic thing about coaching everything, not necessarily volleyball. And I'll throw out a couple of uh, tidbits that see if you, if you think these are good or not. And the first one is, uh, these are quotes from the book, the teaching component of coaching presents the biggest opportunity for improvement. Oh, I like that. That's, that's rich. That's so, good. Yeah, so the idea of, hey, can we become better teachers as coaches? Yes. Um, the second one is there are no shortcuts to greatness, but there are plenty of efficiencies. And that's kind of what this book is about. That, okay. hey, can we be more efficient trying to get to this greatness? I like the way he frames that too, though. So yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Third one, if you don't have a dream, you'll never have a dream come true. Oh, in the heart. He's hitting you in your heart. That's it. And I'm uh, the last one. Develop an attitude of belligerent optimism. Oh, that man. is the ability to have resolute conviction in your abilities when facing the inevitable adversity that will come your way. And that's both personal and as a team. Can your team be have this belligerent optimism? So no matter what's going on, they think, screw it. Things are going to get better right around the corner, right? That's so great. Uh, you can see why he's been so successful. What a 
what a great philosophy. That's awesome. Yep. People got to check that out. Now, is that available on the Art of Coaching Volleyball's website? No, it's not on the AOC okay. website, but the link will be there for the Amazon um uh, the, the Amazon link to it. Okay, perfect. And I'm sure my, he probably has a website, but uh, the link that I'm sharing is an Amazon link to buy the book. I bought okay. it and uh, I'm mowing through it. I'm probably about two thirds the way through it right now, but uh, I'm having fun with it. It's great stuff. Perfect. And then don't forget, everybody, you can get 20% off even premium memberships on the Art of Coaching Volleyball. And products too. So products that's, too. Uh, hey, new for us, and we're uh, so fired up to kind of kind of deepen that relationship with with AOC. Uh, it's cool for us, and we hope you can uh, be be a part of it and jump on their site and uh, purchase something with the Volleypod code. Absolutely, what a great episode! Thanks, Todd. Thanks, Davis. Have a good one. All right, take care. Bye. Oh, 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 oh,